Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to another episode, episode 78 of the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, here in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. It's great to be here. Man, I'll tell you what. So uh, this is, as usual, an exciting time for us here at Beit Tehillah because we love the Torah and we're studying the Torah. Uh, You know what else is cool? Uh, You know, the people of the United States of America have been listening to this podcast faithfully. There's people all over the U.S. uh, that have been listening and uh, we just want to thank you guys. You are obviously our biggest group of folks that are listening. And so I, I think I call out all these other countries and stuff every week. And, uh, you know, it, it, it uh, behooves me to, to thank you guys because you guys have been listening faithfully. And we really do appreciate that. And you guys are helping us get the message out by sharing and liking and doing all that fun stuff for us. Um, we've also got a, a couple other countries. Canada is up in here now. They're listening to the podcast. If you're from Canada, then uh, thank you for listening, and France is still listening. So we've uh, just, you know, those are our top three for the month uh, that have been listening. And, and guys, we just thank you guys for for listening, uh, liking, sharing, subscribing, you know, promoting the podcast for us, because uh, the Torah needs to get out to the nations. Uh, the Torah is relevant for today, and we love the Torah. So what I say is that we jump into our Torah study. Uh, the Torah portion this week is uh, Yitro, or Jethro, uh, and it can be found in the book of Exodus, starting in chapter 18 and verse 1, and ending in chapter 20 and verse 23. A lot to cover. Yes, we have some great subject matter to discuss in this particular Torah portion of Jethro. Uh, and so one of the subject matters we're going to discuss first is, of course, a family reunion. Uh, Ryan is going to read verses 1 through 6 in chapter 18. Once again, we are going to see and witness a great family reunion here with Moses And his mishpacha. Mishpacha. All right, here we go. When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and and her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for the God of my father said he was mine help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness, where he encamped at the mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I, thy father-in-law Jethro, am come unto thee and thy wife and and her two sons with her. Very good. So here we go. So we have, of course, the uh, reunion of the father-in-law, the, the wife, uh, of course, the father-in-law, uh, Jethro, uh, wife is Zipporah, and of course, his two sons named Gershom and Eliezer. Once again, Gershom means a stranger there. Uh, that was his first son, uh, which is, of course, you know, uh, the life of Moses as he's coming out of Egypt and he's in the land of Midian, so a stranger there. And then, of course, uh, that's where he had his, his sons with, uh, with Zipporah, was in Midian. Uh, then, of course, Eliezer means, my God is a help. So here he is, a stranger there. My God is a help. So now uh, he's going to be giving a mandate, you know. Uh, and, of course, you know, we can see this great family reunion. We're, we're seeing this in our families today, just believing for our families, 
uh, our families to be restored, to be regathered, uh, our immediate families, and of course the family of God, the house of Israel. Uh, and so we have to do our part. And of course, you know, Moses was so excited about, you know, everything. You know, he, he just shared with Jethro, you know, and uh, Moses told Jethro, his father-in-law, all that the Lord had done for Israel's sake. Oh, yeah. And he rejoiced by offering up a burnt offering. We can find this, in, of course, in Exodus 18, verses 8 through 12. So, uh, hey, Jethro was excited about this. You know, word, word had gotten out, word's getting out. And so, once again, uh, he offered up a burnt offering. We can see that uh, right there in verse 12. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came... And all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. No, it is awesome. And even then, Jethro says, uh, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. And this is coming from you know the high priest of Midian, uh, which is a pagan culture, and we see the Midianites later on. And it, uh, uh, to some degree, yeah. There's probably some righteous among them, but I'm not sure about the totality of it all. I mean, Jethro seemed like a priest of Midian, so... I mean, <laughs> I, don't I don't know what to tell you. He's the priest know, of Midian, dude. I don't dude. know his uh, subject matter there, but you know? yeah, I mean, you know... Well, and the way I was thinking about this was maybe this is kind of like... Uh, there's certain religions that are uh, polytheistic, where they have 700 gods, and they accept Jesus. And But what they do is they don't really accept Jesus as the one true God. They accept Jesus as part of their pantheon. Right, you know, and that yeah. may be what happened here with Jethro. We don't know. We know we know Jethro had some great advice. We know Jethro was a good father-in-law to Moses. We like Jethro. Jethro made it into the Bible. But at the end of the day, we know that the Midianites later on, and he's their leader, that they stayed pagan. And, and you know, that's a great bunny trail. The, the Midianites going off into that area. I mean, think about it. There's so many different branches you can go uh, to in in the subject matter of the Torah portion. So you know, think about it. I mean, the, the Midianites. You know. Uh, they didn't exactly have a great relationship with the Midianites. The Israelites didn't. Uh, kind of like today, you know, we're kind of broken from our family and stuff sometimes, and it's a little broken, but God's like, hey, you're still family. You know, you're not going to fight them. You know, yeah. as they come out of Egypt, you're going to see this. You cannot fight them. You must go around them, you know? Yeah. So sometimes we have to go around our family not to fight them. Yeah. You know, if I you remember know? correctly, uh, it was a Midianitish woman and uh, an Israelite man that Pincus speared wow, through. Wow, now you're building a case. I know. I Thank know. you. You're welcome for that. Wow. Right, so but the, it was the Moabites that were the problem, but then it was a Midianite woman with, the, you know, so I'm, it's... Yeah, it's convoluted. It is it's a It's called bit. a conspiracy. It's, it's, it's it takes Keturah. two or more people it's to Abraham do a conspiracy. It's Abraham and Keturah, man. You know? So the next subject matter we're going into is, of course, the subject of delegation. Delegation. You know, uh, I actually have a uh, definition here. This is uh, very interesting. So delegation is the assignment of any responsibility or authority to another person, normally from a manager to a subordinate, to carry out specific activities. So that's delegation. Delegation is the assignment of any responsibility or authority to another. This is what we would call discipleship, you know, from the master to the student or whatever. Uh, Authority to another person, normally from a manager to a subordinate, to carry out specific activities. So uh, this is what Moses was doing. Uh, he was, uh, of course, uh, judging the people to make known God's statutes and laws. That's what he was doing from morning to evening. That's oh, yeah. what he was doing. So Moses was the first judge. What's a judge? It's one who renders a verdict. Yeah. Okay, there's no hung jury. 
A, a judgment is a judgment. It's yes or no. There's, there's going to be a decisive answer. Uh, and so once again, uh, Moses is sitting to, to judge the people, to make known God's statutes and laws, you know. And, um, and so Jethro, the, the father-in-law of Moses, comes along and says, hey, this is not good. You know, so in Exodus 18, 18, he's going to give some advice to Moses. Uh, let's go ahead and read that, Ryan, if you don't mind. Oh, I don't mind. This says, is what he's saying to his son-in-law now, because he cares about him, you know? Uh, yeah, he says, uh, uh, verse 17, And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Now, What's interesting here, right, is I'm thinking like, you know, at this point, Moses' administration is him and Aaron. Pretty much. <laughs> and uh, he may have, you know, a few helpers here and there. Um, Joshua, it seems, you know, uh, early on put himself as as one of Moses' uh, right-hand men. That's right. But, but, I mean, he doesn't have anybody uh, helping him out with these things. And so I can see that... Really, Moses is disservicing the people is, I think, what, what Jethro is getting to. Because Moses can sit there all day and all night, and the people have more needs than Jethro can handle, or than uh, Moses do can handle. Do the math, Ryan. Let's just do 600,000 men on foot, just age men. 20 and up. That's right. Not counting wives and children. That's right. Wow. I know. This guy was dedicated. You know, he, he was brought up the Prince of Egypt, so he, he knew the court. He knew the Egyptian court. He, he knew it all. He knew that part of it, you know. Right, you know, which if 1% of decision. them have a problem, that's a line of 6,000 men. Waiting to talk to Moses. Oh, I know. He could sit there all day it's and all night work. and not cover it. Jesus said, you know, go make disciples. So uh, Lester yeah. Gonzalez in our group uh, Monday night, uh, was uh, he actually did the math, and I think it came up to somewhere around like 1,200 uh, leaders that end up coming out of this that you have to raise up. You know, if you had 600,000 men, and we're just talking about the numbers being over men, the tens and the hundreds. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, we'll get that. to that. Yeah. Oh, oh well, we will get to that. We will get there. You had just jumped the gun. I don't little, want to jump the gun. Little doggy. So anyway, um, so, so you know, why is delegation important for a leader? And so I, I got a few thoughts here of my own personal experiences. Uh, many hands make light work, okay? Um, of course, with leadership and elders, this is something you need. Many hands make light work. So you make disciples, and they... they they, they, you know, they share the vision uh, in, in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 18. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 30, we have many members but one body. So once again, every body part is important. Uh, whether you're the pastor, you're the greeter at the door, uh, you're in hospitality, you're on the worship team, you know, that that is the body of Christ. You know, I don't know how many people it takes uh, to do a service, but I was... Uh, challenging my son Josiah, who works at Chick Fil A, I said it takes more people to do a service at Beitahila than a shift at Chick Fil A in Valrico. So I put him up to the challenge. He didn't come back because, of course, you know, I have my run sheet. You know, you think about it. Somebody's got to blow the shofar, and we're not going to get into all that. But so, some of the people think about it. Then you've got somebody to open up in prayer. Okay, you've got somebody doing announcements, congregational dance. Somebody working media over that part of it. Oh, yeah. You've got um, Cameras. the per person giving the message, a uh, person doing the tithes and offerings, uh, blessing the children. The children's I workers? Mean, you know, we got children's workers. Oh, very. So uh, anyway, uh, so delegation is so important. And, and I want to share this as, as a pastor as well, because um, it actually says in, in Exodus 18, 21, uh, the three requirements that Jethro was telling Moses that men should have in order to lead the people. These are the three things. They need to fear God, be men of truth, 
and hating covetousness. You know, they don't want what other people have. Don't covet positions or, or money or, or, or things, you know. So that's what's going to make a good leader. They fear God, they're men of truth, and they hate covetousness. Well, there goes our government. You know, think about it. Oh, yeah, no, I mean... And, and we use this can term you say flip-flop. Lobbyists? Oh, you're, you're pro-life, now you're pro-choice, now you're pro-choice, now you're pro-life. Yeah. We call that the flip-flop. Oh, you know, yeah. what do you What do you believe, you know? And it's interesting as we would try to ask some of these candidates these questions in regards to certain things, and they no comment. I'm like, well, that means no vote. Huh. No comment, really. You represent me, and you won't tell me what you believe. Mm. That's a republic, remember? It's not about a democracy. We're founded on a republic. Right, it's accountability built in. Like So, yeah, there's three branches of government and everything, but I'm just saying that, think about it. To be a good leader, you got to fear God, uh, be, be of truth, and hate covetousness, you know? And so Jethro stated that these delegated men should be rulers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, you know? Uh, I always share this because... You know, I thank God I'm not a leader over thousands. You know, it's hundreds, mm -hmm. 150, 200, right? So as you look at it, you know, you might be a small little group, a small little community, but don't despise small beginnings of 10. You know, you could lead 10, uh, and that's a minion. So that's kind of cool. I was just thinking about uh, our leadership at Bay Tehillah. We have over, over 20 people in leadership right now, you know, uh, and so I think that that's a good thing. Uh, checks and balances, accountability. So we have over 20 people in leadership at Bait to Gila, and um, they do an awesome job. So uh, it's a shared responsibility, a shared vision, and I think it's great, you know. And so, you know, Jethro gives him all this advice, and he's like, listen, you know, th these leaders are going to judge the people at all seasons and only bring the great matters to Moses. So mm -hmm. bring me the hard things, Ryan, you know, not the little pity things. Bring me the hard things, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll have to take this to Pastor Dick or whatever. And that's really what, what I try to do in, in our ministry teams is because of uh, the organization where it's set up. You know, you take care of it. You make decisions, and I'll, I'll, I got your back. I'm, I'm going to support you and go from there. And um, and so I love Moses adhered to Jethro, his father-in-law, and did all that he said to do, you know. He took the advice, and he ran with it, and that, that's great. He didn't uh, dilly-dally around. He went right into it. And, of course, you know, last but not least, we have a— you know, Moses is, is going to see his father-in-law depart, and of course, Jethro goes back to his own land in Exodus 18.27. I have a little uh, thought here on that. It was brought out on Monday night at the end there that, you know, God brings people into our life for seasons, and they help us, and they guide us, and they direct us, and then you don't see them again. They're gone. Yeah. They serve their purpose. They did their thing, you know, and, and I know I kind of sold Jethro a little bit short there because I always said, remember, not everyone wants to go on the journey with you because they weren't meant to go on the journey with you, but they were a part of the journey. Yeah. So I kind of want to twist that a little bit, change it back to, hey, you know, these people were in our life for a reason. They contributed this, this, and this. And so after celebrating 20 years here at Beit Tehillah, we can be grateful. We can be so, so thankful. Well, Jethro provided Moses a wife and 40 years of employment. I mean, that's no small feat. No, and he proved himself. Remember when uh, Moses had to go to Jethro, says, I, I have to go back to Egypt. He gave him a blessing, gave him his peace. That's right. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, and, and you know that it says a lot about Jethro. I think Jethro, um, what, which one is it? The, the Is it the DreamWorks film? Does a really good job, I feel, 
of like when I imagine Jethro now, I imagine him as that DreamWorks character. Character, you know, where they're singing around the fire and everything. Oh yeah, the Jolly Jethro. Jolly Jethro. That's exactly right. <laughs> Jolly Jethro. So once again, we've talked about a family reunion. Uh, that's one subject we covered. We looked at delegation. Uh, many hands make light work, and uh, and then of course we're going to get into now uh, the marriage covenant or the Torah, and Ryan is going to actually read. Um, Exodus chapter 19 verses 1 through 8. Oh, it is it is always my great pleasure uh cuz you know when we when we read the scriptures out loud, that's what comes towards us. That's right. That's Whatever right. you speak comes towards you. That's right. So here it goes. It says, uh in the third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and were, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto, thy, unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, and for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. There are the, these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. There's so much in this oh, chapter man. that we're oh, going to go over. It's totally a marriage covenant. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to see, I the, do. You're gonna see the parallels here. So we're going to bring these out, these, these points here, uh, this particular marriage covenant. Right out of the gate, it's in the third month the children of Israel arrived at Mount Sinai, where they would remain for almost a year. Exodus 19.1, and check out this reference. It's Numbers chapter 10, verses 11 and 12. So once again, it's Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. They're getting the Torah. It's Shavuot. It's the third month. And the third month is when you celebrate Shavuot, you know. So we can see that. Uh, looking down, you know, he, he says here uh, in Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6, uh, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant. Let me stop right there, Ryan, because... Food for thought here, if you go back and study the, the prophets, uh, the two things that the people really, um, two things they quit doing. They, um, they quit listening to the voice of God, and they broke covenant. Mm. So God would send a prophet. The only time God would send a prophet is if the kingdom is bad. The king is bad, and the priesthood is bad. Then he's got no other choice but to send the prophet, that you're not listening to my voice, and you're not keeping my covenant. Interesting. But he says you're going to be a peculiar treasure, this particular word is in the Hebrew, segula, uh, treasure. It means to shut up, wealth, jewel, special, okay? Uh, this would be something that he would actually have in his hand. Like, he wouldn't wear it as a ring or a necklace. They say this thing is, uh, this particular connotation is that he would actually have this jewel in his hand. It was so precious. Uh, and I love this in the Strong's Concordance. It's a feminine noun, meaning a personal possession, a special possession, property, okay? Um, and this noun is used only six times, but it gives one of the most memorable depictions of the Lord's relationship to his people and the place established for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and so as you have the Torah in your mind and your heart, 
you are a peculiar treasure unto him. Hear his voice, keep his covenant, you know, and you will be that special treasure. Now we can see this, and and like I said, even in verse 8, the connotation is here, uh, which is very interesting in regards to, you know, all that you say to do, we will do. Uh, we won't get into that. He's asked them to be a holy nation, a holy people. Uh, that's actually referenced uh, even in the New Testament with Peter. So it's relevant for today. It absolutely so is. So the children of Israel agreed to do all that the Lord said to do and believe in Moses forever. So why do we do away with Moses? See, Abraham is misunderstood. The person and the covenant of Abraham is misunderstood. But Moses is disregarded. He's kind of just thrown out. But it says, and believe in Moses forever. The people were told to sanctify themselves for two days and, and wash their clothes. You know, uh, it says in Revelation 19, it talks about that the bride has prepared herself. You know, she's made herself, you know, ready, you know, and uh, that, that is interesting. So to wash their clothes is symbolic of, of, their, of their lives. And on the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Three is divine of the Lord. Two days is, of course, division. Two witnesses wash their clothes. And on the third day, he's going to come down. And, of course, you know, we can see that this is all about a marriage. The Lord had Moses put bounds around Mount Sinai. And whether it was man or beast, anyone touching the border shall be put to death. While this was a sanctification, a set-apart time of this marriage covenant, as God would come down upon Mount Sinai, he said, set up bounds. You're not just going to schlep into the ceremony, schlep in and schlep out and and come towards him because he's so holy, he had to set up boundaries. Imagine that, Ryan. Yeah. We not only believe in God, but he's a holy God. We had to set up boundaries. Yeah. And of course, it says, uh, and, and this is another reference to a marriage. You're getting ready to marry Yahweh. Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. Yeah. Abstain Exodus from intimacy. 19, 15. Yep. Abstain from intimacy physically with your with your human wife or earthly wife because you're you're getting ready to go into a heavenly marriage. A heavenly ceremony, you know. So these are all the things, you know, all that you say to do, we will do. Uh, you know, keep the covenant, hear his voice, set up boundaries, uh, be ready against the third day, come not at your wives. And this is, of course, going to be leading up to an incredible event. Yeah, so this is a covenant, right? So obviously we can see that this has all the, all the pieces of uh, an agreement between two parties. And what happens, I think, sometimes as Christians, as we look back at this and we see this is Old Testament or this is the Old Covenant, because Testament meaning covenant, and so then we take this covenant and we throw it in the Old category, the right? The church the, missed Mount Sinai. This is, this is the, the Old category. So, but, but check this out. You know, the question here is, who is this covenant with? Obviously, God is one of the parties, so we know that. Uh, but then who is the other party? Well, it says here... God is actually speaking to, it says, Thus shalt say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. Now, you know, reading Torah, you know, learning about God, sometimes it's about having good answers. But I personally think that it's it's more about having good questions. Would you agree with my estimation? Yeah, a great question. I think, I think having good questions is better. And uh, on Monday night, Marco, who usually has pretty good questions, you know, Marco comes to me and Man, his questions are usually like, man, I got to think about that. And that's true. I got to get back with good you. Good questions. Yeah. So having good questions is important. So he says, why the house of Jacob and the children of Israel? If it, isn't that the same thing? You know? 
And it took me a second, you know, because I got to go back and I got to read it and I got to pay attention to it. And look, this is, I'm not giving you uh, authoritative doctrinal analysis of this passage, but food for thought, and this is kind of what I came up with on the fly, was you see the house of Jacob, and that's going to include all of the people within the house. So this is your servants, your sojourners. This is anybody who's a member of the household. And then you have the children of Israel, which are the physical descendants of Israel, right? And so within this, you have different groups. You have the physical bloodline, the children of Israel, and the house of Jacob, anybody that has attached themselves to Israel. Well, I mean, you know, you can go to the bloodline, but the, but the thing is, you know, even with our DNA, I mean... We would say natural branches versus wild branches. So right? you know, I would say that right here, but God says, it, "Go speak to the wild branches and the natural branches." Well, you know, I'll tell you, right here, the modern day country of Israel today. Anybody that would come alongside Israel and the Jewish people and say that, you know, we're for you, we're not against you, they're going to receive as, as Israel. They're going to receive as as part of a part of Israel. Yeah, you know, and and I've, I've noticed this this conversation going on among the, the Jews yeah. that, hey, they're like a Ruth or a, a, you know, they're coming alongside. Yeah. They don't wish us harm. They want Israel to succeed. They're, they're not causing us any trouble. Sure. Let them, let them be a part of Israel. I mean, it's that simple. Right. But I, I guess the point I'm making is that the whole idea of being grafted into Israel or being a part of Israel, but not necessarily being a, a Jew... That's right. There's a difference. It's not new. That's this a good is point. not a new thing. Absolutely. Here's this is God. not replaced with theology at all. And so then guess what? How old is this? How long is this covenant supposed to last? Forever. So now all of a sudden you go and you're like, wait, I'm in this. That's right. Wait, God sent it's, it's Moses. An awakening. God sent Moses down the mountain to talk to me. Right. And some of it's synonymous. I mean, know, come on. When you think about how it's interchanged or whatever, but but you definitely you definitely have wild branches. And natural branches. So, so once again, we have this marriage covenant just really being played out. Uh, in Exodus nineteen sixteen, it says, and this is the highlight. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Exodus nineteen sixteen. Wow, you talk about uh, a weather report. Wow, look at this weather, thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud, you know. And of course, the uh, voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. So let's ask ourselves a question. Uh, what is the instrument? It is a trumpet, shofar. This is the first time that the trumpet or shofar is mentioned in the Bible, so we would call this the law of first mention. Right. So if God's going to summon his people and do something, the first time he blew the trumpet or the shofar was when he was marrying them, you know? That's right. And so Moses brings the people to the nether part of Mount Sinai. Uh, once again, there's smoke and fire and quaking on Mount Sinai as the Lord descended upon it, you know? I mean, this is, this is an incredible act. You know, we have all these different weather patterns today. Uh, some of this has to be considered. So, so the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain only to tell him to go back down and tell the people not to ascend the mountain or they will perish. I thought that was interesting. Wow. See, there's boundaries yeah. in a marriage. There's boundaries in a marriage. And so... Well, and I thought that maybe like at this point, the people would do, you know, they, people hadn't seen the power of God at this point. Uh, they had been spared and God was working on their behalf all this time. And so he had to set the boundaries or else they would have breached the boundary. There comes a point later on where we see they don't, they're like, no, 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 Moses, you go. <laughs> right? Well, We're not I mean, at this point. Absolutely, yet. absolutely. And so, you know, we've got to get people to participate. Yeah. 
they got to be, you know, participators. So, uh, so the Lord only allowed Moses as an older brother, Aaron, to come back up the mountain, Exodus 19, 24. And so Moses went down unto the people and he spake unto them. I can't stress enough uh, this, of course, particular reference, because here it is. This is very good. And I want to bring this out before we go into the Ten Commandments uh, in closing here. But uh, the book of Exodus can be broken up into two parts, two sections. Listen to this. Chapters 1 through 18 are about deliverance. Mm -hmm. Okay? So chapters 1 through 18 in the book of Exodus, they're about deliverance. Now we're in chapter 19. So chapters 19 through 40 are about worship. Chapters 19 through 4 are about worship. So right out of the gate at Mount Sinai, they're going to be there for a year. Remember one of the uh, commandments, one of the instructions was that uh, you are to be with your wife for a year to enjoy her and That's right. be with her, get to know her better and everything. So It's funny so, you say that because we had a conversation about, like, was this betrothal? Was this marriage? And they were. They were at the foot of the, the, the yeah. mountain there and for so, a year. And so, you know... Um, we're not going to read any more scriptures at this point, but you know we now need to go into uh, Exodus uh, chapter twenty. So, so they agreed without even knowing what they were agreeing to. That's you know we... that's just like our life, though, Ryan. Think about it. We say, Lord, I give you my life, but if He were to tell us, well, I need all these things from you. Okay, so I'm going to have you do this, this, and this. I'd be like, well, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll be half in. This is where I get uh, I. I don't want to say confused, but I have I have some questions. Good, you know, and I would like to go back and see Moses and the Lord and be like, all right, Holy Spirit, uh, is this in chronological order or is this not in chronological order? Because Moses sits and judges the people, letting them know the statutes because of the Lord. He was intimate with God. See, he he had the inside scoop. He was insider trading. I I but, mean, think about it. So he he knew. It's it's like the, the oral Torah. This is a debate. Just right. like when, when, when in the garden, it was an oral Torah. They were spoken. There was nothing written down. Sure. So I believe at this point in time that God was really showing himself. Oh, it's the age-old remember, question remember about Noah. Said, How does he know which ones are clean and which ones are said. unclean? He said, listen, I'm going to show myself to you in a greater way than I showed Abraham. Uh, it's yeah. all this intimacy yeah. stuff, you yeah. know? So, so right. it's leading up to something, you know? And I mean, I can only share and, and be inspired by what God shows me, Ryan. Yeah. I can't just make up inspiration and, and, and make up stuff that God would say or think, you know? He puts it on my heart, so I want to share it and, and give an inspiration to the people, but you, you can't just speak on his behalf and not be inspired or know something. And the order makes know? sense at this point, because Moses is spending time with the Lord, and as a, as a, a single person, right... Uh, as a, a single operator, he can judge the people and delineate what he's having to say, right? What his, what the judgment of the Lord is. However, now that he's going to have surrogates, these other people that are going to be acting on his behalf and judging the people, there has to be something that he they judge the people by. There has to be a standard oh, that yeah. he gives them. And I think so. And now God says, hey, you finally figured it out. You're going to delegate. Well, let me go ahead and provide you the SOP manual so that you guys can... Uh... Standard operating procedures. That's right. That's right. So, so, you know, here we have something so simple, really. There's 613 commandments in the Old Testament. Uh, but the bottom line is that we have 10 commandments given by God to the children of Israel, found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. So just want to go through those, uh, you know... And, and I do have some on thoughts them. on a couple of them, just... Which is, you can interject that. So here we go. So number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, you think, okay, you know, 
what is idolatry? You know, what 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 are the gods could I possibly have in front of me? It's all the ones that the enemy's whispering in my ear. Oh yeah. Oh, you can do this and you can do that. You can believe this. You could believe that. See, the enemy of our souls, the prince of this world, is trying to pull us away from the one true God. I mean, you know what? I mean, uh, you go back in, in, into the cultures and go back in history, Greek mythology, even in India. Uh, you know, Hinduism and stuff. I mean, multiple gods. And the enemy loves it when we just become, be, become the people that worship other gods. So thou shalt have no other gods before me is commandment number one. Number two is thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. So so what's, let's give an example. So Rachel stole the household items, oh, yeah. idols, right? And, and she took them. Yeah. So that's number two. I mean, to me... She you must know, have been all looks, you know what I'm saying? You know, people get yeah, people get a little <laughs> funny about well, you can't have statues, you can't have this, you can't have likeness. And and you can go to an extreme, but but I would say that if you're not worshiping at it or it's not used as a point of contact, then that's not I wouldn't say that's a graven image that that you know. See, I I would defer to the Holy Spirit in somebody's life uh because when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says and gives you that unction to either have or not or whatever, uh, I would I would venture to say that which, if you go against that, then that's the sin. Well, I'm not going to get into the whole Ten Commandments based upon Judaism. Okay, I'm no, just no, no. giving right. you I'm just I giving you a basic layout of, of what I'm seeing my own personal life. I was brought up Catholic, so here, here it does a lot say of statues and different things. It does give some specifics here, though. So here, I didn't here, feel right about praying to a statue or anything like that. No, that's weird, I use yeah. that as an image, or but as far as a point of contact, or I'm going to sit at it and pray and pray through it or something. You know that that's a that's a graven image. You know? Yeah, no, we we put. What about that... the rabbit's foot, huh? How about somebody has a rabbit's foot? It wasn't good luck for the it's rabbit, pagan. was it? It's pig. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, I though. Know. Listen, all right. So we here, got a rabbit's foot. Here, verse five you says, uh, "This is this is speaking of the graven images, and it says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them.' So he's giving the qualifications." Uh, and he says, good "Thou shalt point. not make unto these graven images That's of any likeness." Point, and then he says, "Thou shalt not bow down thyself nor serve them." And then he says, "Why?" You know, and, and I like it when God tells me why because you know it, this is about relationship. To lead you it's about relationship. It says, "For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God." And then he says, "Listen, not only am I jealous, but I will cut you." Um, no, that was that was my wife that told me that. Never mind. So it says, I am the jealous God, uh, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. But then he says here, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So when we make the choice to serve God, the one true God, we are saying that I want the next thousand generations of my family to be blessed because of my decision to fervently worship and honor the one true God of heaven. And so, with that in mind, how much bigger is God's mercy than God's judgment? It's third and fourth generation for those that hate me, and it's a thousand generations to those that love me. And if a generation is 20 years, that's 20,000 years. If it's 40 years, there's, it's 40,000 no years. There's no end in sight, Ryan. I mean, we're only in, what, 6,000 years? Carte blanche, check. Something like that. <laughs> Carte blanche, check. I don't know. So, you know, uh, idolatry is whatever you give your strength to, whatever you draw your strength from. Yeah. You know, uh, it's like anything, you know, uh, is it, is it idolatry? Uh, number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. This is the only other one I have something to say about. So go ahead. All right. So taking the Lord's name in vain, and this is one of the It's like emptiness. You're not speaking to him. You're just saying it. I I believe that connotation. So, okay. So so like you hit your finger, you say, ah, 
you know, we yeah. don't say Buddha. <laughs> we hurt ourselves, stub our toe. We don't say, oh, Confucius, hit our, st- oh, you know, oh, Buddha. So what, why, why is it we say JC or. I know. I want to look at this from a good, better, best whatever. scenario. I'm just, okay? I'm just saying. I, I get it. I, that I, is bizarre. I receive what you're saying. So he, right. here's, here's, let me tell you, hey, you want to know what I think? Famous last words. Wow. <laughs> Not really. I know. All right. So I won't tell you what I think then, but I will say something. So, you know, I see, I see this and the obvious thing is stubbing your toe and using the Lord's name. Um, you know, I, I guess we could t- take this both ways, right? So on the one hand, it's if my, uh, if my, my automatic reaction is to drop the F-bomb when I stub my toe or use the name of the Lord and cry out to him, which one of those do you think the Lord is going to perceive as a better option? So well, you can't cry out to right. him. Right, and so, and so the heart is a piece of this, right? Because right. vanity uh, is, is something we don't want to do. But, but there's another piece to this. When we talk about the name of the Lord, we're not just saying, talking about the name. I know that there, uh, and there may be people listening to this podcast that have a specific pronunciation, right? We want to keep the Lord's name holy. We want to, we want to... It's the uh, Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh. Right. We want to, we want to revere his name and all of that. All those things are good. We want to do that. Um, But the name also represents the authority of God, right? When you go and you do something in somebody's name, you're doing it because you were sent by them or that you have been delegated authority right. by them in order to act on their behalf. So what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain if not doing something in the name of the Lord that the Lord either told you not to do or that maybe that wasn't an instruction that he specifically gave you? And so I would say that misrepresenting the Lord is taking his name in vain. Emptiness. Yeah, jump to the New Testament, and it says that we're all ambassadors for Christ. So if you're an ambassador for Christ, you're his representative. The question is not if you're a representative or if you're an ambassador. You are. The question is, how effective are you? Are you a good ambassador? Are you an effective ambassador? That's right. Are you doing the will of God with your with your representation? Are you doing a good job of representing him? That's, that's very good. And so taking the Lord's name in vain is misrepresenting him. So the question is, does your life that you're leading reflect the will of God, and does it show the love of God to others that they would see Him through you? That's right, because you know I, I just see this emptiness, this word emptiness, or in vain. Right, vanity. You're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. You probably think this podcast is about you're you. You're so vain. So, I, you know, like I said, what, what conjures up in my spirit is the fact that, hey, look, look, you know, this is what's happening here. If I'm going to mention God, it should be towards Him or in a, in a good light. Agreed. You know, it's just like, you know, Lashon Hara is, is talking down on people or, or whatever, but if, if you are talking about someone or whatever, you are actually uh, dis- discussing how to help them or, or the situation or how can we, you know, manage this or help this situation. You know, that's that's what we need to look at. I think we all can work on this. On oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So once again, uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me, number one. Number two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And number four... Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So Friday night to Saturday night is the Shabbat, folks. Don't let nobody fool you or say otherwise. You know, it's interesting, and uh, this is public records. I was raised Catholic, but I do believe on their website or their... It's in the catechism. It's in the catechism that they they have the right and the authority to change the Sabbath Mm. from Saturday to Sunday. Now, where's the cross-reference for that? 
Uh, I don't it doesn't think, exist. Yeah, now, no. I'm not here to, to, to bash Catholicism or the Catholics. Well, you are a good Catholic. But I, that's right. <laughs> I want to tell you this. What is the truth? The truth is the Shabbat is the Shabbat. From Friday night to Saturday night, and we are to keep it holy. A day that is sanctified and set apart. So many people approach me and they say, well, Pastor Nick, how do I keep the Sabbath? Think about it. It's not like every other day. You know, so we shut down our devices and our TV or whatever computers, and we have a meal, and then we, we uh, go, and, and, and sometimes we can't do it, but we try to read the Torah portion as a family, and we get ready for, for the church service the following uh, morning. But like I said, it's a day that is sanctified and set apart. Some people dress up, some people dress down, some people have fine china, some people use paper plates. So if you get into this, well, this is how you have to do it, that's a tough road. Um, you know, and, and I'm not into that. Uh, I'm making memories with my wife and kids every Shabbat. And so once again, uh, we are to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Uh, one of my pet peeves is people saying, you know, and Ryan knows this, oh, well, my Sabbath is Wednesday. Mm. That's my day of rest. Yeah. Listen, don't even associate that with Sabbath, okay? Don't even use that word. Say, hey, this is my day off. But don't take Sabbath and take it from a Friday night to say, oh, well, that's my Sabbath. Change your verbiage, okay? Say, my day of rest or my day off can be whatever day you want, but don't liken it to the Shabbat, because Shabbat is clearly defined from Friday night to Saturday night. It is the seventh day. After six days of creation, God rested. It's a principle, everyone, so remember that. So if you get hung up on do's and don'ts on Shabbat, you miss Shabbat. It won't be a holy day for you. It's going to be a day of scolding and pointing the finger at your kids and, and doing all these things. Uh, it should be a day of rest and holiness, a day that is set apart and sanctified. Uh, it's, it's, it's a day that's different from all the other weeks. You right. Know? So that's my take on the Sabbath, and I think it's important. Um, remember the, the feast days, the Sabbath is the very first feast day. Now, and you know, some people may be listening to this podcast and thinking about the Sabbath. And here's what I can tell you. I was resistant to the whole idea of the Torah. I was resistant to the whole idea of the Sabbath. Um, when I first started to learn about these things, you know, I would, I would reference, you know, different things. I would misuse scriptures in the New Testament and things like that. And I was, I I had already kind of been set in my ways. And, uh, somebody told me, uh, Eddie Attilies, actually, uh, I went to my first Shabbat dinner over at the Post of Calls house and, uh, Eddie Attilies told me, you're either going to do it and it's going to bear fruit and it's going to be a blessing or you're not, and it won't be. So you need to just kind of figure it out from there. Let the God, let the God lead you. And I'm like, man, that's a good word. So uh, I guess the little thing I want to say is, try it. You might like it. You know, I mean, that's it. God shows up when you meet Him, uh, where He's at. Right when you when you when you say, Hey, God, I'm going to agree. I'm going to get in line with what you're doing. I'm going to get on board, and I'm going to submit myself to you. He will never, ever just abandon you in that. He's going to show up and he's going to bless you. And and the, the Sabbath is, is 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 actually something that we will be celebrating when Messiah comes back. I don't have time to get into those cross references right now, but but yes, the uh, the Shabbat will be celebrated when Messiah comes back. Uh, it's it's found in Isaiah and Ezekiel. So, uh, here we go. Commandment number 5 is honor thy father and thy mother. Right? And it says that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. This is the only commandment with a blessing. You know, uh, it's like Mama said, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. Honor thy father and thy mother. You know, some of you are probably thinking, my parents are, are deceased. They've gone to be with the Lord, or they've passed away. How can I honor them? 
you honor them with your life and you speak of them in a, in a good context. You know, you know, so many times as far as uh, parents go, we, we give them a bad rap and this and that. I started thinking about, you know, all the good things my father has done. And yeah, our parents have dropped the ball just like we have, you know, so we need to be uh, sharing all the good things that our parents have done for us. Uh, they actually gave birth to you. They raised you. They, they provided for you. But some of you had some bad experiences, you know. But once again, this is the only commandment with the blessing, honor thy father and thy mother, that you may live long in the land or that you just may live, you know. So you don't want to make mama mad. When uh, mama's not happy, no one's happy. Uh, of course, now we're going to get into uh, commandment number six, thou shalt not kill. Of course, you know, that'd be really murder. You know, sometimes we go to war and have to kill, but this is actually in regards to thou shalt not murder. Uh, uh, number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, I personally believe that that's what killed Jesus on the cross. Uh, he said, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, because in Jeremiah 3.8, we see where, where uh, you know, he divorced the northern kingdom, but he didn't divorce Judah. So there's something there about, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, uh, he was at Mount Sinai in the marriage covenant, and so just like he talked to the woman at the well who had a boyfriend, she was married five previous times, and uh, he was telling her that, you know, that basically he was the Messiah, that she should drink of what he, he has to offer in that regards. No one will be thirsty when they drink from him. So as Yeshua hung on the cross, he says, it is finished. And of course, uh, that's what happened. He, he died for all of our sins, past, present, future. But also remember that he died to renew the marriage covenant. Won't get into that right now. That's a whole other world, whole other teaching. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, we have commandment number eight, thou shalt not steal. Okay? Thou shalt not steal. I mean, I don't have a problem with that, but I'm sure there's many revelations of, of the past, of how we maybe stole something we weren't thinking of, a pen, a hotel towel, or something, you know, and so, you know, we got to be, you know, look, you know, aware of, of what we're doing. Uh, I say, uh, hey, I'm going to borrow this for life. <laughs> and um, same thing. That's usually what happens, you know, when someone says, oh, I'll never see that again. No, no, no. I'm going to borrow this for life. But stealing people steal, you know. Uh, Miss Ruth was telling us a story about this last week. Someone tried to steal Tamar's bike right off the carport. And she confronted him, and then Tamar came, and she said, he says, I need this bike. He goes, she goes, no, you're not getting it. It's not your bike. Yeah. And he says, I need it. No, I'm not giving it to you. I'll give you 20 bucks for it. She said, no, it's not mine to give it, it you know, or whatever. And yeah. It's, it's not your bike. I mean, this is amazing. And, and she told the guy, go in peace three times. And he finally walked away. You know, should have pulled out Jesus' and, name. And man. so, you know, I rebuke you. It's just, <laughs> it's just the, the, the society. You know, that's why you know uh, locks are just to keep the good people out of your house. You know, I mean, that's right. There's so many things going on in this world. Can't live in fear, but you should secure things, lock things up. Don't put the bike. You know, the you know the, the the bike out front without a chain or something. You're just begging somebody to come take it. Oh yeah. And then, of course, you know, you know what we do? We get these new TVs, and we put the box out in front. Uh, hey, I got an 85-inch <laughs> color TV, you know, curved That's a, that's a good screen. point. And people drive by like, they, they know what you got in there. Oh, yeah. Little, hey, these are free little tidbits. Free little tidbits I for you to write that. down. So thou shalt not steal is number eight. Uh, number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Boy, if we could just clean this thing up. Now, it says thy oh. neighbor. So if Those they're not your near, neighbor, yeah, you don't got to worry about that. Someone right? that's near, 
you know, a false witness is, is basically you can make accusations, you know? Yeah. We might not have the full story. Have you ever just like heard something and, and, and repeated it? And then it was fake news. It was, it was false. Well, everything is decided by two or three witnesses. And so the point here is don't be a false witness. That's true. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor that you saw this or you saw right. that or you heard like, this. Did you, you see it? That. Like, you know, there's a lot of innocent people that are in prison right now because of that. That's right. Uh, don't bear false witness. Um, and then, of course, um, last but not least, thou shalt not covet. You know, uh, of course, jealousy and all of that is actually uh, just something that you don't need to deal with because appreciate what you have. Enjoy what you have. Yeah. Thank you for what you have. You know, they say, well, there's somebody always worse off than you. Well, there's someone always better off than you, too. Faux show. But, you know, in, in prosperity and in times of famine, you know, appreciate where God has you, you know, because maybe the famine's there to teach you a lesson. No kidding. Uh, Ryan can tell you all about that. He, he knows it. Um, oh, yeah. He's experienced, you know, plenty and then not having, you know, you know, much oh, yeah. so, so here we have these ten commandments, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, four are unto the Lord, and six are unto mankind. So once again, keep that in mind. God says, "Listen, I want these four commandments for me, but these six are for you and your fellow Homo sapiens walking the earth." Uh, we do believe that the ten commandments are relevant for today. What happens to a society that breaks them? Society is broken. Society will break down. Lawlessness will come in. Divine order will be broken up because you're not honoring your mother and father and all these other things, and you're stealing, and, and this happens. They've already proven that when churches leave neighborhoods, crime goes up, sin goes up. Oh, yeah. Because the church is a light, yeah, a territorial light there and stuff. you know. So th they've already proven that uh, through research uh, that when, when you take a church out of an area, uh, darkness can come in, sin can come in. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that a lot, even in in Cleveland, some of the bad parts of, of town and stuff, they're 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 raising up churches and things to bring back the light, you know. So just just something uh, public records you can check it out for yourself. But uh, churches are going to some bad parts of town and stuff, and just reestablishing the, the the gospel and the light. Yeah. So the the new covenant portion this week, Jesus has something to say about the the covenants and the prophets and whatnot. And so here's what he says. He says. Uh, this is in uh, Matthew 5, uh, verses 17 through 19. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I at least want to read it because it was part of the, um, part of the relevant uh, portion here. And it says in verse 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And so I, I like that because, you know, it's, it's, you can, it's you relevant. can, well, you can do some gymnastics to try to make that say something that it doesn't. But Jesus is clear, you know, that, that this Ten Commandments, the Torah as a whole, it's relevant for today. And that's why we do this podcast is to say, hey, look, you know, there's all these things that people uh, try to, to cloud, uh, put a dark cloud over the Torah and make it overcomplicated. Look, just read it for what it says and receive the Word of God with joy, you know? I don't know. Good point. And, you know, this is the thing, too, as you 
begin to look at the different subject matters that we looked at. We, of course, talked about uh, the subject matter of family reunion. We talked about the subject of delegation. Uh, we also talked about the marriage covenant is the Torah. And last but not least, we also talked about uh, the commandments of God. So here you have it, uh, all in a little nutshell there, but it's, it's incredible to see where this is heading. Once again, Exodus 19 through 40 is, of course, um, it's actually about worship. Uh, two points to be made here. If I had to say two things about this particular Torah portion that I would bring out, two main points is number one, delegation. Uh, many hands make light work. Oh, yeah. We are the body of Christ. He is the head. Uh, trying to run this church uh, is not easy. Uh, thank God for, for leadership here and those that share the vision uh, because we all get to participate and get the reward. Uh, and that's the cool thing, you know. Uh, I love it. And God gets all the glory. When you delegate, God gets the glory. Amen. You know, and so number two, uh, I would say the marriage covenant is the Torah. Torah is the marriage covenant, Come point on, number two. The ketubah. So what's happening right now, everybody, and this is not to diss the church, but a lot of us are having to go back to Mount Sinai after being filled with the Spirit and all these other things, because now we need the ketubah. We need the marriage covenant. Uh, we can see that we are living in lawless times, and, and just, just oh, yeah. a little uh, food for thought here, just a little reminder. Listen, there isn't one commandment in here that will hurt you. Not one person has ever come and said, man, that hurts so bad. I did this commandment. Except for maybe and it hurt. circumcision. But okay, that's, yeah, that's but sad. you should have already had that done. <laughs> that's true. So we're not going to go there we're on this one. Go. So uh, <laughs> be blessed, everyone. We are so excited about the podcast. We can't tell you because God gets all the glory. We're leading you to the lawgiver. Amen. We're leading you to the teacher, not the teaching. You that's know? right. And, and it's life-changing. We've been in the Torah for 20 years. It's life-changing. We've gone to small groups on Monday night. If you're living in the area of Hillsborough County, we invite you to come out here on Monday night and do a small group Torah study for each portion every week. We are having a great time. Uh, actually, one-third of our group uh, that's coming are youth. Awesome. That is awesome. You know, uh, my two things uh, go right along with yours. Humility, because you've got to be humble. Well, I didn't say humility, but thanks for No, no, no. I'm saying they go... I'm t- but I'm, that's good. I'm helping you out here, listen. So hu- humility, you because... you got to have humility to delegate? That's right. So okay. you have to realize that you can't do it all on your Amen. own. Amen. Right? You can't do it on your own. And obedience, right? I mean, come on, just be obedient, uh, and the obedience brings a blessing. And you guys have heard us say that a million times ad nauseum at this point, but we're going to continue to say it. Obedience brings... The blessing. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. We love you. Um, if you guys want to get a hold of me, you can uh, reach me up via email at uh, ryan at toopraise.net, ryan at toopraise.net. Uh, I love your questions, your comments. I uh, love to hear from you. Uh, you can also call the office if you need some resources or anything like that at 813 654 2222. And you guys can live stream our services uh, every Saturday, every Shabbat uh, on toopraise.net and all of our social media platforms. God bless you guys. Have a great week.